Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, EJ Fuh. How's everybody doing on this Memorial Day? It's most likely not Memorial Day when you listen to this, but I don't know how time zones work. Um, I'm going to apologize right off. My allergies have been really bad this weekend. And if there is a, uh, what do you call, gross quality to my voice, uh, that is the reason. Uh, the hernia I have discussed in the past has also made it very painful when I sneeze. It feels like a short person is punching me in the stomach every time I sneeze. And it is misery. Uh, luckily, in a couple of days, I am skipping, skipping town, going to Las Vegas for just a quick trip. But it's really going really gonna to get me out of a, a jam for a couple of days at least. Um, so, uh, I want to talk about some movie trailers today because a couple of my favorite franchises have new trailers out. Uh, but first, uh, it's sort of a brag, but I had to put in a new mailbox this weekend because my old mailbox, the actual box part got knocked loose and was, uh, pointing kind of downwards. And for a while, I fixed it with duct tape, which could not look trashier. And also, given Michigan weather, there's a very uh, limited... It's it's not going to last. It's going to get too cold or too wet or something. And in fact, some of it disintegrated when I touched it. But uh, so I got a new mailbox to put in, and I ran into trouble almost immediately because the the post, like the big wooden post that you put the mailbox around was still good. So I'm like, all right, that's the hardest part taken care of. But the post was four feet high and my mailbox could only accommodate three feet, which meant I had to cut a foot off. Uh, and I don't, I don't have a lot of power tools because I am not handy. Uh, but my, my friend Brad has all of the power tools. And so I called him to see if I could borrow a saw of some kind. And uh, his immediate response at first was <laughs> to to sort of say a very hesitant yes, as if he was going to try to talk me out of it. And then he realized, oh, I have one that might not hurt you. <laughs> so I go to his house and he's he's prepared a whole bag of like a level and a, a wood marking pencil and a couple of hand saws, uh, like your standard cartoon, uh, uh, cutting down a tree with a friend. Well, no, it was just the regular kind. It wasn't two-handed. You know what a saw looks like. Why am I describing it? Uh, but a, a power saw. And he had to explain how it worked. And the... We always think of Brad of Brad as the Ron Swanson of our group, uh, both in terms of handiness and general disposition. Uh, and he takes that as a compliment. He he uh, he warmed Ron Swanson instantly. Like that that's his that's his guy. Uh, as I am Abed, he is Ron Swanson. There was a Halloween years ago where he was he was Ron and I was Kenny Powers. And uh, so I have a bunch of pictures of us in costume hanging out, and that's very funny to me. 
I think somebody got one of those pictures made into a mug and gave it to me for my birthday or something. Uh, which I, I truly love. Um, but the way he is explaining it to me and going over everything that could go wrong and the most basic things that you would expect an adult to know, he is, he is, still, he is still making sure I know because he's right to be concerned. And the vibe of this tool, tool borrowing was very, uh, it seems like if Andy from Parks and Rec had asked Ron to borrow tools, uh, there really had to be sort of a dummy course to make sure I don't lose a finger. And then I didn't lose a finger. I put in a mailbox. It took longer than I thought because, uh, <laughs> because I... <laughs> Honestly, I got tired and I wanted to eat dinner. Uh, but this is my official uh, thanks to Brad for letting me borrow tools and making sure I didn't hurt myself. And uh, I wanted to talk about it right at the top because that way he can bail when I start talking nerd stuff. And that's where we're going next. I want to... Uh, the movie trailers that I wanted to talk about... Uh, both uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, the fourth Thor movie, and Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, the seventh Mission Impossible movie. Um, I just have some, some quick-ish thoughts. Uh, I, I'll talk about Thor first, because in my, my Marvel rewatch, I also watched a Thor movie, and this will space out the Thor talk a little bit. Uh, basically, this is the second trailer, and I got suckered by a fake third trailer, which was mostly footage for the second, but with one new line of dialogue that referred to Beta Ray Bill, who, if you are not familiar, is a space horse who was deemed worthy to wield Thor's hammer. And he is honestly top five Marvel characters. I love Beta Ray Bill so much. I love that space horse. He has a big horse face, and he has his own version of Thor's costume. And uh, he's amazing. He's the best. Uh, but that was not a real trailer. Uh, the the first trailer, I the first trailer was, was it was good. It was fun. Uh, it show you Thor starting trying to get in shape and wearing a trucker hat, and hanging with the Guardians of the Galaxy, who they're only briefly in both trailers. So I suspect they're not in the movie a huge amount. There is a scene that looks like them leaving Thor and Korg behind. So uh, this. It seems like this is probably just a, a cameo from them, but they're getting a movie next year. We'll be okay. I love those guys. Uh, and the, the first trailer, I just, besides the big reveal of Natalie Portman with the powers of Thor, uh, it's just kind of fun, and also it doesn't really hint at any sort of conflict, and it makes you think the whole movie's just kind of vibes. Like... Korg and Rocket are going to run an errand or something, and it'll be fun. Uh, but this movie, which also is, it has some has some legitimately funny jokes, uh, does reveal uh, Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher, who, uh, that's kind of a brutal villain. He's a dude who massacres entire, entire mythologies. Uh, and Christian Bale seems to just be going for it, which will be fun. Uh, 
uh, there's there there's a uh, a thing that's cool. My thoughts are kind of scattered. I apologize. Uh, Gore the God Butcher and uh, Jane Foster with the powers of Thor are fairly recent uh, things. Like like Gore, I think started in 2012, and the uh, Jane Foster's Thor was 2016, maybe. And it's always cool when these movies bring in a recent uh, creation. I mean, it's you know, The Winter Soldier was a was created within within 10 years of that movie and the movie version of the guardians of the galaxy was a the actual characters had been around a while and the guardians of the galaxy concept which was totally different characters had been around for forever but that specific group as the guardians was again pretty within maybe 10 years of the movie so it happens but most of what we've you know, most of the people we've seen who've gotten movies were created, if not in the 60s, definitely in the 70s, like at the latest. That's where the, you know, the Eternals and Blade and so come come from. Uh, we, and that is that is a cool thing. I like when when newer creations get folded in. Uh, uh, like. Batman, I think, is interesting because that's a character who's been around uh, uh, 84 years. And every decade he's been around, there's been a character or an addition to the lore that has stuck around and feels like an important uh, part of of Batman's mythos. Uh, whereas, like, Spider-Man... You could make a hundred Spider-Man, well, hundreds maybe exaggerating. You could make you could make Spider-Man movies for years and never touch on anything after, say, the first fifty issues in the sixties. Uh, if you like Venom more than I do, then that would be sort of an exception. But everything people really know and care about Spider-Man happens in the first couple years. Ah. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing with, uh, like, the Fantastic Four. But, you know, when they can get something new in and something, a new creation kind of clicks and feels like an important thing, that's always cool when it gets gets kicked up to being a movie. Uh, sorry, allergies are real bad, guys. I apologize. I'm a little bit of a mess today. So I just think that's... Because the other the other Thor movies are all stuff from his first appearance in the '60s or Walt Simonson's run in the '80s, and we will talk about that later. And this trailer also does have him in the armor Walt Simonson gave him late in his run, which uh, I like. It is uh, it was done for a story where uh, Loki cursed Thor so he couldn't heal from any wounds ever. So like if he broke his arm, it stay it just stays broken. Uh, so he had to get that armor, and even then he got pounded into basically goo. Uh, it's great. We'll talk more about Walt Simonson later. He's the best. Uh, but the the whole trailer works. It's fun. I like, we see Russell Crowe as Zeus, and he's like real mythological Zeus, which is to say sort of a dumb, horny drunk. Uh, there was a lot of 
uh, if if you follow terrible people on social media, a lot of a lot of uh, of the Zack Snyder people go oh, check out what Zeus looks like in Justice League, and he's a you know he's a badass, and it's like yeah, that's Zeus spends most stories in which he appears turning into an animal so he can have sex with human women. It is, uh, it's it's wild. It's <laughs> it's. So Russell Crowe seems to really be leaning into that, and it looks like a lot of fun. I am psyched for this Thor movie. Uh, there's always a weird thing where uh, with uh, Natalie Portman becoming Thor because when they launched the character, he was a guy who tapped a magic stick on the ground and got the powers of Thor. Uh, and then they just started introducing all the rest of Norse mythology, and it's like, oh, no, he's not a... a a man with Thor powers. He is the actual mythological Thor. And then how does that happen? Is he switching places with Thor? And then if somebody else uses the hammer and gets the power of Thor, what happens? It's always been a little muddy. Uh, it'll be fun to see how they deal with, how they explain that and how the hammer comes back. That hammer got destroyed. Uh, so I'm psyched about Thor. It looks very fun. It's out soon, like July. It's like a month, like five weeks from now. I can't wait. Uh, Taika Waititi is back after directing Ragnarok, which is a beloved movie. Uh, I think it's going to be real fun. And also probably dark as hell because Gore the God Butcher is. <laughs> God, those issues are vicious, man. Uh, and then we got Mission Impossible 7 Dead Reckoning Part 1. They're shooting 7 and 8 back-to-back. Uh, and it is Christopher McQuarrie directing, who did uh, Rogue Nation and Fallout. The first four movies, all of them have different directors. And then uh, Christopher McQuarrie's doing four in a row. So it half of it is him and half of it is a rotating series. Uh, this trailer is... It is the first teaser trailer, so it doesn't give you much indication what the plot is. Uh, which, for the most part, does not matter. I love the Mission Impossible series more than just about any other franchise. And what matters are sort of the set pieces and the character stuff. The plot is always, uh, they're trying to get a list. You know, there's a disc. It doesn't matter. It lets have cool stuff happen. And holy smokes, does cool stuff happen in this. Uh, I am... I was psyched... Uh, Haley Atwell, from who plays... Uh, uh, she's uh, Peggy Carter in the Captain America movies. And uh, she was in that one episode of Black Mirror. Uh, which is true of every British person. You can describe any British person who acts as having been in that one episode of Black Mirror. Uh, but I did not know she was going to be in it. Uh, Shea Wiggum, who is in, he was in Fargo and Legion, and he was in the Perry Mason series that I watched 50 times, and for somehow, for some reason, I couldn't reckon with the fact that he was in it, and I described his character as being that Shea Wiggum-looking dude. <laughs> Which... You know, it's not like they got Tom Cruise to appear in Perry Mason. It's Shea Wiggum. He's a character actor. They got him from Perry Mason. Uh, but those are those are people I'm very excited to see. Uh, 
Apparently also Pom Clementeff, who plays Mantis in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, is in it. But I do not know that I recognize her without antenna and prosthetic eyes. Um, but then all the other, you know, you've got your, you got your Ving Rhames, you got your Simon Pegg. Um, it does not look like Jeremy Renner's back in this one. But it's also a very quick trailer, and he's in, he's in, uh, like he's in, in, uh, uh, what do you call it? Is he even in Fall? Is it Fallout or Rogue Nation? He's in for like two minutes. He's got a big role in Ghost Protocol. Uh, look, we're talking in circles here. Uh, uh, hold on just a second. Sorry about that. I'm not going to edit out that ringing, ringing phone because uh, I'm going on vacation a couple days and I'm tired. Uh, so Mission Impossible. I was, the... Uh, yeah, everybody's back. Vanessa Kirby as uh, the widow is back, uh, and and possibly most important and uh, probably not surprising, Ilsa Faust is back. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character for the last two. I love Ilsa Faust so much. I wish she had her own series of movies. And any year when there wasn't a Mission Impossible movie, there was an Ilsa Faust movie uh, in which Ethan Hunt and his friends helped her out with a with a mission. Uh, she look okay I'll say this I have said in the past uh, that I, I I've given up on celebrity crushes because my real life crush is farther out of my league than my celebrity crush I stand by this uh, even even living in this uh, world where I it has been brought to my attention that there's a movie where the lady from Peacemaker wears glasses look I still stand by this I do think it's okay for me. So in this case, I have a crush on a fictional character, and that character is Ilsa Faust. She is so cool. Every scene of her in Rogue Nation and Fallout is just great. And in this movie, at different points in the trailer, she has an eye patch and a sword, and it is going to be the best. Uh, I do have the feeling they these might be the end of the franchise for Tom Cruise, this two part. I mean, if you're making it a two parter, that feels that's what you do for a, for a wrap up, you know, that's a Harry Potter hunger games move where the last book is two movies. And the very little dialogue in the trailer seems to point to him not being able to come back from this. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'll watch him for as, long as his aging body can continue making Mission Impossible movies. But it looks so rad. I'm, it went up, uh, like, it leaked onto the internet, and I missed it. And uh, uh, past guest and uh, uh, Mission Impossible, fellow Mission Impossible enthusiast Haley found another link, but by the time I saw the email, it was gone again, so I had to wait for the real trailer. And... The real trailer, as it turns out, is awesome. Uh, it's a year away, so we probably won't get a more substantive trailer. Uh, excuse me, for a while yet. Uh, which means I can Which I can maybe pretend is Ethan Hunt uh, going undercover and flying planes. Um... Oh, speaking of movies, uh, I did see the Bob's Burgers movie this weekend. I haven't seen Top Gun yet, but the Bob's Burgers movie is just a delight. Uh, I love Bob's Burgers, and it's 
it's 12 seasons in now, so it's not appointment viewing the way it used to be when I, you know, stopped everything to watch the new Bob's Burgers. I, I have not missed an episode, but there are also some episodes out of the last couple of years that I don't remember. And if I were to watch now, I would probably think they were new. That just happens when you get over 200 episodes. Uh, that said, I've also never finished watching it and gone, eh, that wasn't much. Like, I've I've never had anything but a good time watching Bob's Burgers. And the movie is, it's, it's super fun. It is, uh, it's a full-fledged musical, kind of. There's a lot of songs in it, which is not unusual for the show. Uh, the first person to sing in the movie is Bob. And John Benjamin sort of has a famously bad singing voice. So that's that's very fun. And it's sort of structured like a classic episode where the the kids have a plot with uh, a more fanciful plot that has like genuine danger in it. And Bob and Linda are just trying to save the business. Uh, and it all comes together really well. Uh, focus heavily on the fish odors. Uh, and they're very funny, so I'm I'm glad for that. Uh, Jimmy Pesto is in the movie, but does not have any dialogue because Jay Johnson was fired from the show for trying to overthrow the government. I do feel like they should probably recast him because it's such a fun character, and they they've already recast the the Thomas Middleditch character, so it's not like there's there's not precedent. Uh, but it 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 was very fun and. Just about everybody who's kind of key to the show as a as a guest is in the movie, not necessarily as their one of their established characters, but you get your Paul F. Tompkins, you get your Rob Hubel, you get your uh, Brooke Dillman, who is probably a regular cast member at this point. Uh, you know, a lot of the people you would hope are going to uh, be in it show up. Uh, Paul Rudd speaks a total of about seven words as a horse in Tina's fantasy. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's so David Wayne has a musical number that is like gasping for breath funny because he starts it in a falsetto. It's, it's tremendous. I love Bob's Burgers. That movie's worth watching. Hey, how about we find, if we find out some more movies are worth watching with the franchise recap? Uh, in the Marvel rewatch, I hit Thor 2, The Dark World. Uh, and this, by the way, this is establishes something that becomes a thing in the Marvel movies, is all of the sequels have subtitles rather than numbers. Uh, Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy are the only ones who have numbered sequels. Weird. Uh, now, Dark World often gets put at the bottom of the list for a lot of people. And admittedly, I don't think I've seen it since it was in theaters. Uh, I had a high opinion of it watching it, and I saw it with Sam, who for years after put it at the top of his Marvel list. But uh, a whole bunch of absolute, uh, my absolute favorites kind of came out after after Dark World. Uh, so I'm excited to get to those, uh, but... You know, the very next year you have Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy, and the year after that you have Ant Man. Uh, so all my favorites kind of happen after that, so it didn't pop up as a rewatch real soon. Uh, but watching it, 
it's it's great. I had so much fun with it. Uh, the one thing you can point to, I think, is the villain is bland, which is a shame because it is Christopher Eccleston, who is an actor I like a lot, and he's playing Malekith, a character I like a lot. But between the prosthetics and the fact that most of his dialogue is not in English, but is instead in made-up elf language, I don't think he really lands as a character. Uh, but that said, all the uh, the distortions in reality are super fun. Uh, this is the movie that sets up the personality of Loki going forward. Uh, it's the third movie he's in, but he is a straight-up villain in the first two. Uh, he's charming, but there's not really... You don't get to the Loki from the TV show without without this movie happening. Uh, it's... <laughs> now I'm just thinking of things I think were really funny. Uh, there's this bit with Kat Dennings Darcy that started in the first Thor movie where she cannot pronounce the name of Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. And what she says is always ridiculous and... The last time she says it in this movie, during the big climax as it flies past her, she sets out, she says like this, I can't even reproduce what she said, but it's barely even letters. It's like, Mammy. it's, it's so funny. It's such a funny delivery that I cannot reproduce. Uh, I laughed really hard at that. I, it's part of a great fight where Thor and Malekith are falling through different realities and the hammer has to keep changing directions to come back to him. And at one point he has to get on the London subway for three stops. Thor, not the hammer. It'd be very funny if the hammer did that too. Uh, I like that Sif and the Warriors 3 have a little bigger role. Uh, she's, she's not in uh, Ragnarok, but the Warriors 3 get killed there. Uh, it's too bad. I like those characters. Uh, and in fact or else look I don't know if we lost anything or not but that was I just stopped talking because I couldn't tell if it was recording I didn't stop talking I said nonsense which very little difference from the rest of the show uh, uh, Fandrill one of the Warriors 3 was recast he's Zachary Levi in this movie uh, who later went on to play Shazam for DC uh, but that doesn't matter because it's really Volstagg who's the best one uh I love Volstagg. <laughs> the big fat guy with a with an exaggerated sense of his own competence. He's great. I love him. Uh, you know, it's it's really fun. I the, I like that uh, Selvig from the first movie and Avengers. Uh, it opens with him having lost his mind, and there's not a magic reason for it except for the fact that he. It, Loki possessed him in Avengers and it messed him up. It broke his brain. There's not like a thing that's happening because of the convergence that makes him behave strangely. It's like, no, these, some people are still, still dealing with stuff that happened in Avengers and it ruined their lives. It's kind of neat. And it's something they can't really do in the movies anymore because there's so many of them. But when they did that kind of thing more often, that was really a, really kind of a neat, you know what? I'll say grounding thing, even though it's a guy who's suffering PTSD from having a Norse god inside his brain. Uh, the thing about the Thor movies is the jokes land real hard. And a lot of it has to do with Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston being very good with funny material. 
Uh, they really lean into that more with them in the future. Um, uh, you get a lot of it in Ragnarok and the Infinity movies. Only one of them had Infinity War. The Endgame doesn't have an Infinity title. But you knew what I meant when I said Infinity movies. Uh, just had an absolute blast. This moved way up my mental list. Uh, and I, I said that online. And a lot of people suddenly uh, were coming out uh, pro-Dark World. And I feel like... Uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like people have been too shamed. Uh, it's also very funny to think in the middle of this movie, uh, just before Thor's mother dies, uh, chubby Thor from the future and Rocket Raccoon are running around causing chaos. Uh, it's... I'm going to be honest with you. It's great. I loved it. I think it's overlooked. Uh, and this one definitely had the the uh, credits for comic creators in the body of the main credits. Uh, so I think that's going to be a thing going forward. Uh, also, this might be the first non... Uh, maybe the first character to get specific creator credit where Walt Simonson gets credit for Malekith. Uh, I think up to this point, everybody has been sort of from the uh, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby... Uh, collective uh, except or maybe the timer froze uh, sorry this night is going to sound bad but I don't have I'm not going to have time to edit it's either I edit it or I I mean it's not coming out if I have to edit it I, my time is at a premium uh, my point is and just in case it got lost uh, I, I don't think an individual character has ever had creator credit in the in the closing credits before, except for maybe Captain America, because he was created before Stan Lee wrote comics. So he doesn't get Stan Lee's name slapped on him like everybody else does. Uh, anyway, Dark World is great. I, I wish the villain uh, popped a little more. And I think, uh, and I cannot pronounce it. I've never heard his last name pronounced, and I don't want to fumble through it, but Adewale... Uh, from Lost and Oz, you you know him. He's he plays Algrim, who becomes Curse the Dark Elf. He does not get to do much. He gets to be intimidating, and then when he becomes Curse, he's just a special effect. So it's not a great use of him. Uh, but that's what's going to happen when you have when you cast somebody as a character who's nine feet tall. Uh, two thumbs up for the Dark World. And I'm very excited because three of the next four are in my top, just absolute top shelf movies for me. So uh, this is getting great. I am psyched. Uh, and for James Bond, I watched Sean Connery's last official movie, Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, we're into the the uh, realm where they're not good, but I'm enjoying them. This is largely a bad movie. It is, uh, I mean, right off the bat, it's a bummer because what Bond is investigating is diamond smugglers. Uh, and it does turn out they're building a super laser satellite with them, but his official remit at the beginning is uh, to stop these people who are screwing up the price of diamonds. <laughs> Uh, which is a little less noble than you'd hope. Uh, 
And it, it does get fun from there. Crazy things happen. Uh, an elephant plays a slot machine and hits the jackpot at one point. Uh, it is the last time we'll officially see Blofeld for about 45 years. Uh, and we'll talk about that more in a different movie when it's more pertinent. Or maybe now. Uh, here's the thing. is uh, There's this weird thing where the guy who co-wrote the screenplay for Thunderball... Uh, so British copyright is insane. Maintain the rights to certain elements of that screenplay. And that included Blofeld and Spectre, despite them having appeared previously in From Russia with Love. And I don't even think Blofeld is named Blofeld in Thunderball, but I could be wrong because that's the movie that puts me to sleep. <laughs> so essentially, the, uh, the James Bond movies could not use... Spectre just goes away after this movie. It's not going to come up again until the movie Spectre, which they were able to make because this screenwriter died. Uh, so it's this, it's like this major thing in the Connery movies that just never gets mentioned again. Uh, and then because of all this, he he essentially could make his own James Bond movies, but only based on the Thunderball script. So there's a sort of it sounds it's dumb to say non-canonical when you're talking about James Bond because, uh, you know, there, there really isn't canon, so to speak. There's no way Daniel Craig uh, met Dr. No, you know. Uh, but it's this off-brand. Sean Connery comes back in 1980 to do Never Say Never Again, which is a remake of Thunderball, which is a movie he was in the first time. It's weird. Uh, and I will watch that one when I get to it, even though it's not included in my box set because it is not an official movie from the Bond producers. Just as one weird guy could make Thunderball as many times as he wanted, I'm going to pause because I'm about to sneeze. Sorry about that. And then I sniffed right in the microphone. Cool. These allergies are bad, man. Uh... I failed to mention last week, there's a weird thing in On Her Majesty's Secret Service where when Bond meets Blofeld, they don't recognize one another despite them having met in the previous movie, face to face. And surely part of it is, I mean, maybe it's a meta joke about both of them being played by different actors. And you could make the point that Blofeld is always having plastic surgery because he's a different actor in every appearance and they bear no resemblance to one another. But... I mean, he knows James Bond well enough to have made rubber masks of Bond for people to wear to try to survive an obstacle course in, in From Russia with Love. So it's, it's confusing. So it, it doesn't even work to say that, like, the Blofeld, when they met, was a fake because clearly everybody in Spectre knows the Bond face. But that's a different movie, and I forgot to mention it at the time. Uh, one of the notable things about about this movie besides the fact that uh uh natalie wood who famously drowned and was maybe murdered by robert blake uh her sister is in this movie and dies by drowning uh it's a little upsetting in retrospect um sean connery does not care in this movie he is not even trying which i find more enjoyable uh he's a little too earnest like these are going to be prestige movies than the first couple and you get to uh, uh, You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever, and he just does not care, and that's more fun to me somehow. 
uh, this one's kind of notable for having uh, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid, who are a couple of assassins uh, who are gay lovers. And this came out in, I think, 1970-ish. So that was kind of kind of shocking in a big mainstream movie, I think. Uh, they are terrible characters. Uh, and obviously, I don't mean that because of their sexuality. They're just, they're irritating. And uh, they're sort of, they're not written with a lot of, their personality is being gay and in love. That's, there. there's not a lot to them. And they also don't do anything cool. Like the first time you see a kid, they you see them carry out one of their contracts, they drop a scorpion down a guy's shirt, which is, I mean, that's like a Nelson Muntz contract killing. They're they're very irritating. Uh, it's a cool idea, and I can see where it's kind of revolutionary at the time. But they just a lot of the the uh, after a couple of movies where the the supporting characters were kind of interesting. This one all around is just kind of a bummer for uh you get a a really sort of kind of a nothing felix lighter this time around uh there's a couple of assassin ladies named bambi and thumper who uh they fight bond in a way that you hope is going to get cool and it never does uh it's also it's the blofeld in this movie was in uh, was previously in You Only Live Twice in a completely different role. Uh, so that's that's weird, but also there are multiple Blofelds in this one because he gives his subordinates plastic surgery to look like him. And that was fun, so you get to see Bond kill several Blofelds. Um, not a lot to say. It's one that's fun to watch. It never quite gets to be what you want it to, but this is us saying goodbye to Sean Connery for a while until he does his off-brand movie. And uh, next time we start with Roger Moore. I probably will not do... I probably won't have an episode next week because I will be gone when I usually record and I won't have time to catch up on my viewing. But if I do, maybe I'll... We'll see. But don't be surprised if there's no episode next week. Uh, and that... And I'm going so... I've gone so long with movie talk. Uh... American Pie 3, American Wedding. And now we're into the ones I definitely have not seen. This one, it will not surprise you to find out, is not good. Uh, it's interesting that it's the first one where the whole cast doesn't come back. Uh, Chris Klein is not in it, and it is weird to think there was a time when Chris Klein was too big to come back and do a movie. Um, and the only member of the, of the female cast who comes back is Allison Hannigan because she's the bride in the titular wedding. Uh, and she's only in a couple of scenes. It is, it is bleak. Uh, it's, yeah, Jason Biggs and Allison Hannigan are getting married. It's, okay, I'm, I am starting to get appalled with the laziness of the contrived scenarios. Like the first scene in the movie is him trying to propose to her at a fancy restaurant, but she misinterprets it and thinks what he wants is oral sex at the fancy restaurant. So she goes under the table because that is exactly how a human being responds in that moment. Uh, 
I mean, look, nobody nobody's opposed to sexy fun, but it's a terrible misreading of the situation. And also, like every fancy restaurant you've ever been in, floor-length tablecloths. Uh, but then Jim's dad, Eugene Levy, shows up and sits at the table. He is unaware of a person under this small table, and she is unaware that somebody is behind her. And so the, the, the blowjob continues apace. And the whole... It, 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 and then at one point he stands up like to not be embarrassed anymore, forgetting that he is, uh, his penis is out. Uh, it, it's so much people who have to be completely unaware of their surroundings. And I, I like absurdist humor. They have to acknowledge if they're doing this, like they're not clever enough to be doing some sort of, uh, like some sort of take on that kind of joke. They're just straight up doing a lazy joke that involves people being completely unaware of their surroundings and unable to perceive anything they are not looking directly at. And it kind of goes from there. It's it's also got some uh some some bad logic in the way that uh uh Okay, so the thing, they make a big point of not inviting Stifler to the wedding. Uh, this is the movie that confirms for me I do not like Sean William Scott. Uh, maybe he's good in other things, but as this character, he is absolutely unbearable. But uh, then Stifler finds out there is a wedding, and he, he's hurt that he's not invited. So Jim's like, all right, fine, you can come. And he's like, all right, and I'm going to plan your bachelor party, but only if you can promise I'll get laid. And it's like, well... So now Jim is in the pro in the position of having to make sure Stifler has sex or else he won't throw the bachelor party that he didn't didn't want in the first place. Uh, it's it it doesn't even it it doesn't even scan well. It's a mess. Uh, I was happy to see Fred Willard as Allison Hannigan's father. That was funny. He doesn't get to do much, but his reactions are always good. Uh, this has the is is a it's got some shockingly homophobic and transphobic uh material i mean it does it is 2003 where that's sort of just sort of what happened in movies then uh uh january jones from mad men and last man, man on earth is uh michelle's sister uh and it's weird because she seems tiny in this and she always seemed taller to me on those other shows. And, uh, but something about this, she just looks so, so tiny. And I wonder if I just, if I made her bigger in my head, uh, I, I'm, I'm scanning real quick to see if I can find out how tall she is. She's five foot six, so she is not tall. Uh, she seemed taller on Mad Men, but she was probably wearing ridiculous heels at all times. Uh, but it was cool to see her. Uh, that's about, that's pretty much it. It's real bad. It's, these things are starting to be a bummer. I mean, they started out that way, but this, there's just genuinely no joy in this at this point. Uh, now the, the, I got to talk through this and you can reply to me on social media if you have a strong feeling. Uh, 
now the box set I have puts the four American Pie movies together in order. Like they're actually two to a disc. So American Reunion is the next one on the box set. But that comes out in 2012 and four, three or four of the direct video sequels American Pie presents come out in between. And I think I should do them in chronological order instead of doing mainline and then spinoff. Uh, my logic being when I'm when I hit the when I hit Never Say Never Again in the Bond franchise, I'm going to do it in its chronological order and not last. If I were doing Fast and the Furious, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw would come between eight and nine and not after all of the others. So I think that's the plan. I think we're gonna skip ahead. Uh I get, or, or rather not skip ahead. I'm going to move to a different disc and watch uh, Bandcamp might be the next one. I don't know. Uh, I imagine when we start getting to the ones that weren't good enough to be in theaters, it's going to get worse. Uh, it is. It's going to get grim. But we have what we have to do is determine... Uh, uh, would I rather watch American Pie 3, American Wedding, or the third movie in Zack Snyder's uh, directorial oeuvre? And that would be Watchmen. Whew. That is surprisingly tough. Uh, his version of Watchmen is not great, but I like Watchmen a lot, and it does some things that are cool. Uh Oh, boy. You know what? If I watch watching Watchmen, I, I went away with, well, that was a flawed adaptation. Uh, watching uh, American Pie 3, American Wedding, I walked away with, I hate movies. So, yes, Zack Snyder wins this round. Uh, I would rather watch Watchmen than American Wedding. He's got the lead two to one now if you're keeping track. Uh, we got some interesting matchups coming. So that's... I'm also starting to get very worried that he hasn't actually directed nine movies and I've miscounted and made this bit not make any sense. Uh, so I'm... Nope, we're good. We're up to nine. We got nine. We'll be fine. Uh, that's all I got. I went so long, you guys. Uh, so I'll just wrap up. Uh, I'll keep it short. Teasedbysummer.com. The, the best. Shirts, mugs, water bottle. Uh, it's, all, it's all so very good. Uh, I ordinarily wouldn't blaze through something this important, but you've heard me talk about how great Teas by Summer is for like 67 weeks now. Uh, and we'll talk more about it next time. It's not going away anytime soon. So buy something. Let me know you bought something. Uh, you can email the show at, uh, uh, what is it? FedTalks at Yahoo.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at EJ Fettis. I'm on uh Instagram at EJ underscore Fettus. Uh, yeah. That's all I got, man. I'm so very tired. Uh, probably no show next week. Uh, make up for it by buying something from Teas by Summer and uh, letting me know on social media. You'll get a shout out. That's it. You guys are great. I will talk to you next, probably in two weeks. Uh, and the recording froze one last time. I'm going to call it a day before this cursed episode breaks me. 
Uh, bye. Fed Talks is a Full Boys production. Wah, 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 wah.